I'm split between realities and made up factualities. A split world, a split world. Thanks for stopping by the office. Although Mike and Bolin have years of experience answering questions and giving advice in the field of mental health, they are not professionals and should not be a replacement for professional help unless you want to pay. But they don't want your money and they don't know how to bill insurance. So, good luck. Just sit back and be present. They'll see you for your appointment now. Uh, welcome to the show, Mysteries of the Mind with Mike Boland. I'm your host, Mike. I'm your host, Boland. And this week, we're not getting lunch together. Yeah, this week we are not hanging out. In fact, this is the first time we've talked in... I mean, we we had like a couple of phone calls, but nothing like... Yeah. Nothing extravagant. I think the whole world right now has like planned stuff like normal, but then like fallen off and is like maybe getting back around to doing what they had planned under different circumstances. Like, I'll give you an example. I was going to set up a meeting with a new therapist and we were playing phone tag uh, for like a week. And then all of this outbreak started to happen. And uh, I we just ghosted each other for like a good two and a half weeks. And just today, I emailed her and I was like, I'm really sorry about my lapse in communication, but I think we're all kind of scrambling here right now. And she was totally cool with it, I bet. Uh, she hasn't responded yet, but I, I expect her to be totally cool with it because we're all <laughs> we're all in survival mode right now. We're all just kind of yeah. like, it as it comes. Yeah, every, yeah. People are doing things that are kind of a little strange, but... Yeah, like what are you what are you referring to? Do we have to talk about toilet paper? Oh uh, well, I think that's all we need right there. It's just mentioning it. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, it was so strange. I didn't. If I were to think like before this, think back. What would you have guessed would be the number one like meme worthy product to go when the Spanish flu came out? Yeah, would people have been like, nah, no, I'm not really interested in. The cough syrup or anything. No, no, no. I just need some toilet paper. Yeah, I don't know what, like, maybe it's always been toilet paper. Maybe secretly we've always been really concerned with, like, making sure we can wipe ourselves above all other things. Because, like, when the chips are down, that's clearly what people care a lot about. Yeah, but, like, is that a new thing or has that been around for a while? I guess we'll never know. And you know what kind of blows my mind? What it's just, it's not we're not talking about just we're not even talking about just like the really nice stuff. We're not talking about Charmin Ultra Plus. Oh, uh, not that double no, no. ultra double. Dude, butter. we're talking about fucking 69 cents single ply oh. corner store. You can't even find that gone in 60 seconds. Why? What are you using that for? So what I think is that like. It started as like a trend, as like a little spike, and then people heard about the trend, you know, and then it became a real big thing. Like Because so many people were already scared. Yeah, yeah, but like I think it wasn't initially – like I think probably, you know, peanut butter and uh, meat and bread and all the staples like pasta started to go at the same rate along with toilet paper. And then like they started maybe publicizing the fact that toilet paper was going – like more than the other ones. And then everyone started panicking about that. And it was like an asymptote. It was like an exponential thing. Cause like 
panic on top of panic and then suddenly it's like a meme you know because like it's yeah. it's people are going to remember this as like the toilet paper pandemic yeah um i was actually seeing a thread the other day on reddit that was like what do you think they're going to call this after it's over and somebody was suggesting that maybe they're going to call it just 2020 because it just like rolls off the tongue like they're just going to refer to 2020 the way we refer to like 9 11 where were you where were you during 2020 oh, i man. was i was in my house it was funny there was a guy who like started it and he was like we should call it the great shortening or something or like the great some he had like a he had like a kind of lame idea for a title and like way down in the comments like someone was like oh yeah we could do like something like you had said like but maybe not quite. And he was like, oh, like the Great Shortening or whatever it was. And somebody commented. They were like, stop trying to make the Great Shortening happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Nobody wants the Great Shortening. Stop. Stop it. Yeah. Stop. Stop. Yeah. We're done. Yeah. Quit it. Yeah. It's uh, obviously we're me and you. I think we're both pretty, pretty on edge about it. Yeah. So I uh, I actually recently tried. Uh, actually, it was. uh last night or two nights ago i uh, sent an email to try to volunteer at the hospitals oh yeah yeah just because of like how i know how bad this is gonna get yeah well in the sense that like the, uh, there's not gonna be enough staffing yeah i think there's kind of two problems the first problem is the scarcity of resources like uh ventilators for instance but the second problem is that, you know, I, what really freaked me out, man, was like oh, two weeks ago, I saw a post from someone in Italy and they were like, this is coming for you. Like where we are at now, you will be in like a little while. And the people who are working in the hospitals are getting sick and they can't work because they'll transmit it. And so we're running out of people to staff the hospital. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely intimidating. Mike, when this all settles back to normal and things change and we're back to sort of having businesses open and people recovering and being able to be out in public and stuff. What do you think the first thing that you would want to do is first thing I would do? I think the first thing I do is give my stepdad a hug. Yeah. I haven't given my stepdad a hug. I haven't even been close enough to touch my stepdad in almost a month. Yeah. I think the first thing I would do would be to go to a concert. Yeah. That's a good one. Or like an amusement park. I might go play hockey. Any kind of thing where, like, you really feel the humanity around you, like, a, like just sort of bristling and alive. Yeah. You ever see The Matrix? No. You ever see The Matrix Reloaded? Probably not. No. There's a part in The Matrix Reloaded where they show, like, the human sanctuary city where, like, all the human survivors are. And they're having this big dance party, and it's just, like, this ocean of, like, contorting, dancing, alive, sweaty bodies. And I'm like... Well, we need to figure out how to not have coronavirus first, but as soon as that's over with, I'm diving in there. Getting in that. Just getting all up in that sweaty <laughs> the sweaty pile. I want to get up in that human soup. Oh, uh, yeah. Give me that human gumbo. Make, make me another carrot in that fucking pot, pot of human chili. I want to see some toes, elbows, and tongues in that chicken pot human pie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Make me a human sandwich, like an airplane. What do you think the closest thing is to a human sardine box? Um, a subway? No, I'd say I'd say you kind of hit it on the head, like those like twin propeller planes. Oh yeah, they, where they like butter in and like the comedies. They're like, <laughs> what plane am I taking? It's like, 
the captain always gets out and he's like, oh, whoa. You know? Oh, <laughs> she'll <laughs> start. <laughs> he's got to like whack it with the wrench. He, put, he hits like the, the nose with like the bottom of his fist. <laughs> like, he's like, flack. <laughs> and it like sputters to life. <laughs> and he's like, all right, who's ready to go to Antarctica? <laughs> <laughs> who's ready to die with me? Who's ready, who's ready to rock? Why don't we go for a question? Cool. Well, I mean, a lot of these are... About coronavirus? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if we can find one that's maybe a little distant from it. Oh, here we go. Oh, this is a really good one. How do I talk to my mom about my mental health? I'm 15, and I think I might have social anxiety. I'm not sure how to talk to my mom and ask about seeing a therapist. Hmm. I think... Uh... It really depends on a couple things, like your relationship with your mom and your mom or your parents or guardians sort of attitude toward mental health care in the first place. So I guess I could answer it in like two extremes. The first one would be like, you know, if you've got a mother who is maybe more accepting or is more keyed into or, or knows more things about the world of mental health, maybe just like approach them in that context and say, Hey, I've been doing this reading and I, I want to just like read off some things to you about what I'm experiencing and how they compare to maybe these symptoms and kind of go from there. I want to just real quick switch over to the other circumstance. I, get, I think the harder question to answer is like, if you have a parent or guardian and you're a teenager and your guardian is not really accepting of that kind of stuff. Like they don't believe in it for spiritual reasons or just culturally, they don't really vibe with like therapists or psychiatrists. I would maybe try to find some external perspective from another trusted adult. And what I mean by that is if you're 15, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and assume that you're in high school and you're 15 in eighth grade, right? That's like right before freshman year in high school. I would try to like use your support from them before just going it alone. And if that's not going to work, then maybe some kind of spiritual counselor or clergy, if you might have in your community, um, depending on if you're religious, if you go to some kind of church or institution like that, then maybe you could ask your pastor for help with this. But uh, I think the real bottom line is that it's hard to do this alone and you got to fi- find a way to uh, use your resources to not, really feel so isolated and alone while you try to solve this problem. So what I think is I think that it's really awesome that this person obviously is having issues and instead of just trying to force themselves to deal with these issues, tried to learn about them. Yeah. And came That's up a with a huge like, step. Came up with like an own their own idea for like a self analysis, which is like super helpful because what that implies to me is that you're somebody that wants to learn. I feel like if you can acknowledge that something is wrong, then that gives you more of the opportunity to want to change it. Yeah, I think this first step, like they always say, the first step in getting help or solving a problem is admitting that you might have one or doing the introspection to believe and realize that you maybe do have something that you want to work on. So that's super encouraging to hear that you have Did done research. this. Yeah, have done your due diligence in your research. So going about talking to a parent. So 
like you were saying, I mean, obviously, depending on where this person lives, they might not be in school to talk to other adults at this time or, or stuff like that. Most of the time, I would say, you know, get in touch with maybe like a school counselor. You know, normally that's a pretty good spot to start um, is is talking to them. And the thing with that is, is, you know, they might have better ideas because they might know you a little bit better about how to talk to your parent or they might know your parent a little bit better, uh, obviously, than we right. do. Other than that, though, I, I think one of the best ways to go about it is to tell maybe your parent that you would like to try talking to a therapist, being open with your parent might make it easier. I highly doubt that their parent like is against mental health. I don't know many people that are like that anymore. So I think maybe the idea of like talking to a therapist is probably not very um, high risk with people, but I think maybe it's more appropriate. I was kind of talking more about psychiatrists. I know a couple people in my life uh, who struggled a lot as teenagers in need of like psychiatric care, like medicine, because their parents refused to take them to them because they thought that they were like, you know, charlatans or not, not real scientists or some kind of evil, like a distrust of doctors. I guess the real problem we're having with this question is that like, we don't know what level of disapproval your parent has with it. Like, is it a financial thing? Is it a cultural thing? Is it that they just think that there's nothing wrong with you? I think I'm not reading into the question that much. I'm reading it as this is a 15 year old. How do I bring this up to my mom? How do I, you know what I mean? Not like, not like my mom has to have an issue with this or like has to be cool with it. Oh yeah. I'm reading it slightly differently. I'm reading it as if like this kid has already tried and, uh, and, no. and it's like failed. Yeah, no, I don't see it like that. Cause he's saying, I think I might have social anxiety. I'm not sure how to talk to my mom. Okay. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. So this is more like coming out to your parent about this tough topic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's a totally, I get it. That's a totally different um, interpretation. I think think the thing is, is you, you have to be honest with your parent and, and you also have to cue them in on things that you might need that they might not naturally think of. If you have social anxiety and your parents generally bring you to large events, you know, just let them know, like, hey, hey, that's that really stresses me out to go to those. It's not that I don't I don't want to be with you and stuff like that. It's just that's really hard for me. I think if you are approaching your parent for the first time to talk to them about a mental health issue that you think that you have, it'd be useful to just kind of trust the situation and find, you know, courage in the fact that, like, this is your parent. And they care about you and they love you and they might just not know, you know, like they, they probably want to help you, but they just are ignorant of what you're going through. Yeah, I can definitely, there was definitely a time where I specifically remember I was talking to my mom. It was right after I had like one of my just out of control episodes. And I remember telling my mom, like, you know, I, I, that I wanted to kill myself. And it was kind of one of those things my mom was like, I've never felt that way, so I don't know what to do. And that's a tough thing to, I feel like, understand, especially as a 15-year-old, let alone as a 25-year-old. People don't think like you do. Everybody thinks differently. And so if you need something out of a situation or an environment or of a person, you have the right to ask, you know, 
whether or not you get it is a whole nother story, you know, and that's something that we could talk about with like having to be okay with rejection and disappointment. But the fact of the matter is, is that everybody has a right to ask for what they want right? or what, they, or what they feel they need. Just while we're talking about this real quick, I know we said this in a previous episode, but just because we're talking about suicide, I want to just plug 1-800-273-8255 is the National Suicide Hotline. They're 24-7 and they're fully free for anyone to call and talk to to get assistance if you're really having a crisis. I think, and like, it might just be a question of them not knowing what they don't know, you know, like... If your, your parents never felt that way, they don't relate to it or they've never experienced it. It might not even be occurring to them that this could be happening. So, like, it's not that they don't want to help or that they're averse to it. Like I was kind of talking about earlier, um, it might just be that they straight up don't even see it. Right. Even though it's right in front of their face. I want to tell you a little story. This will be a little uh, parable sort of story break right here that my grandfather always used to tell me. Mike, have I ever told you about keep your wrench before? Yes. You did tell me this. I like it, though. I want to put it in here just because I think it kind of applies. Uh, basically, the story goes, there's a dude who is driving around in, like, Arizona, somewhere deep where it's hot, maybe the desert, and his car breaks down. And the nearest mechanic shop in the town is probably a mile or two or three out, and he's got to walk there. And he knows about cars, and he can fix his car, and all he needs is a certain type of wrench. But he doesn't have it in his car, obviously, so he needs to go borrow it. So he starts out, and the first mile he's saying to himself, okay, like I'm just going to ask for this wrench. It's going to be cool, whatever. If they ask me to pay for it or something, I'll try to explain my situation. You know, it'll be okay. But then the doubt starts creeping in as he gets to the second mile, and it's hot, and he's sweating. You know, he puts his shirt, like, around his head, like in the movies. Um, and he starts thinking, like, what if they don't give me the wrench? Like, what if they don't, like, let me do this i'm worried i'm starting to worry about like how they're going to react before you know how they're going to react and by the third mile he's like crawling because it's so hot and he's like pouring sweat and he's just fully convinced at this point that they're going to find some reason to not give him this wrench that he so desperately needs uh hard cut to like the inside of this mechanic's office uh like in the shop and suddenly the door like the little bell rings and the door flies open and this guy with a shirt that's dirty with sweat and dirt and sand Wrapped around his head, his topless, he's just sunburnt like a tomato, and just says, you keep your motherfucking wrench! And then he collapses on the ground, <laughs> and they gotta call the ambulance. <laughs> and that's the story, right? It's just like, the moral of the story, obviously, is don't assume how someone's gonna react. Try it, you know? Always try it. Ask for what you need. Figure out what you need and ask, and be open to the idea that they might be wanting to help you, they just don't know that they need to. And and also be open to the fact that they might not want to help you. Um, and that's tough at times, I think, for people to swallow. I certainly know that, like, I, I have difficulties with, uh, like, disappointment and rejection and stuff. But it, that's a natural, pretty natural part of life. Um, and I think in, in that case, I was kind of talking about prevailing upon resources other than your parents to try to find some kind of help, like... Um, We've, we've talked a lot about school counselors and pastors and just other trusted adults. Like maybe you have another family member who you can speak to about this, who can maybe try to help you when your parent over to your side. Um, don't give up if your parent doesn't want to help you. There's other ways that people, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of a few of my friends that I was kind of referring to earlier who had to survive basically into their 20s 
without any kind of psychiatric remedy or, or medication because their parents didn't believe in it. Eventually they came around when, you know, this, a friend of mine's 25 and his parents are just now just kind of turning it around. But uh, he didn't give up hope and he prevailed upon his other resources and he used the other people in his life. Um, and the, I guess the most important thing is just to keep going. Just keep going. Like, did you see that they came out with a new flavor of... Uh, they've got the Zero Sugar Mountain Dew now. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, that I mean, sh- like... That shit slaps. I mean, it's pretty good. Then... What? I got... So, here's my problem. I got the Baja Blast. Oh, yeah, baby. But it's the Zero Sugar Baja Blast. And sometimes... Too wait, late, wait, 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 wait. They make zero sugar Baja Blast. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And sometimes two rights make a wrong. Uh, because you quickly realize that the thing that makes the Baja Blast so addictive and so good is all that sweet, sweet sugar. And it's just like uh, it's muffled a little bit in the, the zero sugar. I'm so upset that I haven't seen that. Oh, it's around. You got to scoop it before it's gone. Well, I'll tell you what, it was gone at Holt Road Wegmans today. <laughs> yeah, it's gone everywhere because everything's gone. But, you know, you'll get there. You'll get some. Some. Well, maybe. Maybe. All right. So let's see. I got a another question here. All right. What's wrong with me? I sometimes feel irritable so much I could smack someone. Other times I feel uplifted and fine. I'm prone to depression and anxiety. I self-harm, and I don't even know why. I can't get a job, and I don't know entirely why not. Every day I'm searching on the internet to find out what's wrong with me. I hate myself. I'm pathetic. I prefer to isolate myself. I can't sleep without meds. I have daily suicidal thoughts. I'm impatient. Everything is boring. I overeat. I spend too much money. Any thoughts? Um, um, a lot of it. So it kind of sounds like, to me, it almost sounds like borderline personality disorder a little bit. Uh, you know, the, like this, I guess it depends. I don't know how sudden these mood changes of the irritability and like anger towards people and then like the uplifted and, and totally okay. How I think it would depend on like how frequent those change. changes are, you know, obviously the self-harm and, and stuff like that, you there is an issue. And I think that when I'm reading over this and he starts uh, and this person starts saying, I hate myself, that I'm pathetic. That might be why you're harming yourself. I know that generally when I would hit myself, it was happening in moments where I felt I was doing the wrong thing. It really only happened if it was somebody I cared about and I was like uh, emotionally like hurting them or they were upset with me or, or something along that line and that I thought that I was this really bad and terrible person. Um, and generally that's what would cause me to, to end up hitting myself. So if you're looking for a reason, you don't always need one. It might just be the fact that like you refer to yourself as pathetic, you know, and, and that's why when you get so upset, you end up hitting yourself because you start getting angry with yourself. Yeah. You know, I, I'd say right now, the best thing to do is to really sit down and allow yourself the times where you're feeling upset to understand that you are feeling really angry and that that's irrational. You know, you you can be as angry as you want about something, but it's only going to get you so far. So that's why I've always kind of felt like when you when you're so angry that you just want to hit the person, 
you're there's nothing that you can accomplish at that point in time. Yeah. You're you're better off isolating yourself from the situation and that person until you have time to cool off. And a lot of the times you have to you really have to process those things. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with that. Even today there was a point where I was just overcome with like rage where I had to like stand still and just like take a couple minutes because I was telling myself like anything you try to do right now is going to be unproductive because it's going to be destructive. You need to just wait it out. It's like an electrical storm or something like this is this is you're not going to respond properly right now. You need to like cool off. And here's the thing. It's easy to blow up. It's so easy to just blow up. Yeah. It's so easy to just throw the punch. Yeah. Challenge yourself. Challenge yourself with, um, you know, when I'm feeling this angry at somebody, instead of wanting to hurt them, how about changing the thought to, uh, you, why would this make me angry? Yeah. You know, a, a lot of times, and, and that's really difficult to do, especially in the moment, and depending on what it is you're talking about, but sometimes just changing how you're thinking about something can alter your entire mood, which at that point, you know, if you can, if you can come from an agitated state to even just maybe mildly irritated, mm. you know, you're going to have a better outcome, I think, than, than had you just stayed so angry. And watch that self-talk, right? Always be aware in the moment, like all this stuff that's at the root of the problem of like, what you think of yourself and how you're talking to yourself and, and why you think that all these negative things, like I, I heard a phrase one time, it's kind of corny, but I, I kind of stick by it, which is like, if you had a friend who talked to you the way you talk to yourself, would you be friends with them? That's just always a question you got to ask yourself from time to time. I like that. Yeah. That's, it's that's like, really good. It's like, would you put up with this kind of stuff and this like abuse, frankly, sometimes how people yeah. talk to themselves? Like if it was coming from someone else, because you shouldn't put up with it from yourself. Yeah, just you gotta. I don't know, man. I'm just on this like be kind to yourself kick to, for today's episode. <laughs> well, that's great. I I think that's like a super good thing, especially for right now. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is to just be patient with yourself. Yeah. We're we're all very scared. We're all a little confused, but we're all gonna get through this one way or another. So have you been? Uh, one of the things that I really would like to say, if anybody from Rochester is listening, actually anybody anywhere who's listening, I know this is a super crazy time, and um, I, I know I'm speaking for I myself here. Um, I'm I'm currently now unemployed. The one thing I've been trying to do though is make sure that I am still giving money to small business. I really, really am. Yeah, like you have a couple of. Um, well, you know, for instance, like I worked at a, a small grocery store in Irondequoit for a long time called Harima's. So like trying to give them business, uh, Hegedorn's another one in Webster. And then like also just like restaurants, too. They're doing the the, the takeout and, and, and everything. And just the other day I ordered uh, where did I order from Parrington Hots. You know, I, it's tough. But if you can, if you can just even just like one meal. Give these places one meal. You, they're struggling just as much as us at this point, and they have a whole entire business that's at risk now. You know, this is kind of one of those moments where we're going to see you, you're going to see a lot of little mom and pop shops closed up for a long time. 
Yeah. I, I think, you know, we're going to be stuck with, you know, these big names for a long time. This definitely is a uh, is a little bit of a, a life changer. Yeah, this is unprecedented. I keep saying this is um, people are saying that the real economic consequences of this are probably going to be greater at the end of it than the actual virus. Like what we're actually going to remember about this is how it changed healthcare and insurance and unemployment and business and the economy and like laws around all those things. Yeah, I definitely like that's honestly probably one of my biggest that's probably one of my biggest worries at this point. Other than like the hospitals overflowing, it's definitely just having to sit and watch our our entire economic market crash. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty rough. And but, um, it's kind of just demoralizing. You know what, dude, though that like that's I want to just throw some things out there because I think the point of this show, somebody was speaking with Mike and he shared this with me that they refer to this show as sort of uh, virtual group therapy. And we're here to try to prop people up and motivate people to find the light and keep going. And I just want to say like a couple of things that I've noticed that are actually really good that are happening right now in the midst of this crisis. The first thing I want to say is that I predicted that Musical artists, like various bands and singers and stuff, have um, been doing live streamed like concerts from their living room for free. Um, and that's another big thing where like they've got their Venmo and their Cash App on there. And, you know, this is a really great opportunity to patronize these people because they're also out of work because no one can congregate to come to their shows. But just the spirit of coming together and like doing these kinds of things and like reading the comments and seeing how people are, you know, coming and still finding the humanity and like singing together, even though they're all in their separate homes or whatever. Right. Or like I've seen a bunch of posts of people finding notes on their porch that their neighbors are going to the store and can they get anything for you, you know, even just to see if like maybe we can save you from going outside or I've seen stuff about how scientists are working to like, make ventilators more efficient so they can have more than one person. Or there was a post about maybe like taking the tubing out of a patient's room to have the instruments in the hallway so that the providers didn't have to uh, regown and waste all this personal protective equipment when they could just like do it more efficiently and conserve stuff. So like people really are putting their best foot forward and their minds are sharp and they're trying to come up with solutions and they're still trying to come together and be neighborly and make you know find the the light as it were in this really dark time and sort of come together and still not lose that humanity and i think that's a really inspiring thing that i've seen and i just wanted to like throw that out there as something that i've noticed during this time like in addition to all the horrible shit that's going yeah. on. oh for, i mean for sure i um you know i definitely agree i I think sometimes I get caught up in, in talking about the logistics and reality of it that I have downplayed the fact that I, you know, also spent today going for a walk with my mom. Yeah. You know, and, and just talking to my mom and, and uh, talking to my dad, you know, and, and hearing about the things that they're doing. My dad recently got laid off. And instead of, you know, being upset, being the, you know, over 50 year old homeowner he is <laughs> you know now not having a job for the first time in 30 some years you know he told me well at least now i got more time to play drums yeah 
I really think that dark times have a tendency to be like, you know, our finest hour. Most definitely. Sometimes it also brings out the worst of people. Yeah. But I would, I would even talk about like uh, 9-11, like seeing the seeing how like the world kind of like stopped and like came together for a minute after that. There was real camaraderie and like support and people were looking out for each other. I think that's a natural sort of response to real disasters or hard times that you see time and time again, because I think that's inherently part of being a human being. Right. Have you ever seen Apollo 13, Mike? I don't think so. Apollo 13 is one of my favorite movies. It's about the space uh, moon landing mission that went wrong where they had to bring the guys back and they almost died out there. But it's super dramatic and it's like this heroic story. And there's this part where the guys, the scientists are saying that they're not going to be able to solve the problem and they really doubt it. And the main sort of like mission control dude kind of turns to them and he's like, really, gentlemen? Because I think this is our finest hour. And like... You know, obviously, then they proceed to, like, save the day. But, like, I'm always... That that movie always really hypes me up. If you want to see, like... If you want to watch a movie right now, because I know you got time sitting around. <laughs> <laughs> um, you should, I, I, I recommend Apollo 13, because it's pretty inspiring about, like, teamwork and coming together in a crisis and not letting it get the better of you in a really positive way. And I think we need more of that right now. Oh, most definitely. So I think I want to do uh, uh, two cute little things... And notice how I said cute, because I think they're fucking adorable. Just for this one, this is how we'll end it. All right, so you want to do some cute things? You want to do some cute things? So the first thing thing I want to do is I want to know, Bullet, what's a movie that we all should watch? Oh, man, you know the first one of these I'm going to answer Donnie Darko with Jake Gyllenhaal. All right, that's the only answer you get. Okay. You only got one. All right. Um, The movie I'm going to recommend is he's looking on the shelf little miss sunshine oh that's a great one that's a good movie yeah that's a really a good rare, movie. a rare steve carell in a drama role the other one is dan in real life also very good also steve carell right also steve carell yeah both are very very good movies there's also our combined favorite which is gonna be uh crazy stupid love crazy stupid love that's a great movie as well Oh man, yeah, we really vibe with that one. So there's, so there's actually four movies for everybody to go check out until we can come out with another, until we come out with another episode. Um, but I want to wrap today up, Bolin. What was the last song you listened to? The last song I listened to, ha, <laughs> the Dog Days Are Over by um, Florence and the Machine. Great song. Great song. So good. What? That was like 2010. 2000 and late, dude. <laughs> 2000 and late. 2000 is a long time ago. 2000 and late. You're so 2008. Dude, such a hype song. It's really like, you know, you've been going through it and it's time enough is enough and you're ready to to run for your life and like start all over. Like that's such a it's like a it's like a shower of a song. Well, you know what Dog Days refers to, right? Uh, an abusive relationship? It it has to do with uh the stars. And one of the constellations. Oh, nifty. <laughs> pretty, pretty wild, right? <laughs> pretty deep. Pretty wild. <laughs> um, the last song I listened to was The Man by The Killers. I don't know that one. Check it out, man. I will. I'll tell you what, man. I'm the man. Come round. No, no nothing can break. You can't. All right. We'll probably have to pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll ship, we'll pitch the <laughs> uh, You guys got to donate to my Venmo account. 
We're gonna crowdsource the rights to God, that song. God damn it. Maybe it was about let us... six seconds worth of a killer song, so <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah. I can only imagine prices these days. Yeah. Prices in this economy. <laughs> yeah, we'll get we'll get the bill for the killer song as soon as we get the cease and desist letter from Wendy's. <laughs> Oh, God. We're still waiting on that one. Yeah. Fresh and never frozen. <laughs> I'll give you a beef patty. Well, I think that's going to about wrap it up for us today at the office, guys. Uh, thank you so much for stopping in. Uh, we hope that you're all doing safe and well. And, uh, you know, we all hope for we hope for the best of your loved ones and, and yourselves. Uh, I'm Mike. And I'm Bowen. We'll see you next time. Thanks for stopping by the office.